Hello, Horror Fanatics! I'm Frank. And I'm Jen. And we welcome you to our weekly podcast, Oh! The Horror! Thank you for joining us as we dive deep into all things horror, supernatural, scary, and downright creepy. If you like what you hear, you rate and review and subscribe and follow to that shit to add us to your regular rotation of podcasts. You can also give us any of your ideas, your comments, your two cents, your suggestions to our email address at oth at seriouslydecent.com. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How about it? If you're thinking to yourself, self, what are those amazing hot licks they have this week? Oh my goodness. What could it be? What could it be? Viking death metal. Viking death metal. Season 3, episode 136, Viking Death Metal. Yeah! That's Aman Amarth. Uh-huh. Check him out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Check him out on your streaming music uh, services. Uh, we give didn't, him your love. Give him your love, because we didn't ask permission to play that. So. <laughs> Hell's to the no. We're nobodies. We're Who's nobodies. Know? We're a bunch of nobodies from central New York. <laughs> Just trying to work some new features on the, uh, the new mixer. You know, just struggling out here. <laughs> we're just we're just doing the best we can, man. You guys got 26 million views. I don't think uh, one little snippet's going to kill you. No. If anything, we're going to give you four, uh, four to 40 to maybe a few hundred more fans. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That just didn't know you existed. So and They'll be like, you know. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of Game of Thrones, if I'm being honest. Yeah, a little the, bit. The yeah. beginning. There's a lot Beginning of different instrumentals. There's a lot of different ones. You got yeah. like the the heavy metal rock like that. Yes. Now it's getting a little kind of overproduced, you know. Yeah. Cuz you know, people may not be aware of this. It's been around for a long time. It has. Yeah. Why don't we uh Did sources? Sources. Sources. What do you got for sources? journeys.dartmouth.edu mm-hmm. and bbc.com. Okay. Almost Britannica. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I ended up scouring through YouTube, just doing like a bunch of interviews, like mm-hmm, scouring mm-hmm, that stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was a lot of YouTube related stuff. Well, uh, lucky for you, uh-huh. I took the nerd approach. So if yeah. you were like that, actually, that jam was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you so many bands you can check out. Exactly, because that's just how I roll. So. Maybe just to kick off a little bit, mm-hmm. Viking Metal mm-hmm. was basically a fusion of heavy metal and storied history of the Vikings. Yeah. If you were to put it into a blurb, yep. into a sentence, that's what you get. So this actually emerged out in the late 1980s. 80s. Yep. Yeah. In early 1990s. Mm-hmm. This was when it was coming out. And I remember this. Well, technically, before they called it Viking metal, mm-hmm. they called it black metal. Yeah. And it was characterized by anti-Christian, pagan, and satanic themes, along with shrill, mm-hmm. speedy guitar riffs, ghoulish, either extremely high or extremely low vocals, yeah. and black and white corpse face makeup. Yeah. No, so. that's that's the, like, it birthed out of black metal. Yep. It did. And it did. Yeah, I was I was into that stuff, man. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I was a metalhead to begin with. Right. So did and... you start with uh, Venom? Because they were really the first. Yeah, and um, there was the other kind of pioneering bands like Bathory and Enslaved. Right. You know. But um, Venom was first. Yeah. They, with their debut album, Welcome to Hell. Welcome to 1981. Hell. 1981. Yeah. How about that? How about it? Yeah. No, that was something I, I learned on that, you know, because I always just think of Bathory and Enslaved. Right. And, you know, and Venom was a British band. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and basically, yeah, they introduced this uh, Norse mythology and Viking yep. themes to this whole metal landscape. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, basically, they draw inspiration from the tales of Odin and Thor mm-hmm. and the Viking Age. Viking metal was basically just sailing like this unique course, right? On this like just sea of metal like subgenres, because right. there was all these different types of metal. Subgenres, and then like this comes out. Yep. And um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Bathory, I would say, is probably the originator for this, like the specific genre of like bringing in the whole, like buying into the whole idea of the Norse mythology, yes, and all that. Not like a little sprinkle here, sprinkle there. It's like, and it became, it really became its own thing in the late eighties. So from like eighty eight on, and Bathory's um, release in eighty eight of Blood Fire Death really became the mother Mm -hmm. for this black metal Norwegian Viking blend that started with in the nineties with bands as Immortal, Dark Throne, Satyricon, Einerger, and Gorgoroth. Mm-hmm. And the most infamous of these bands, and arguably arguably the one which brought worldwide attention to the Norwegian scene due to their violent lifestyle, is Mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. So the band would frequently have pig or sheep heads on spikes at the front of their stage. So awesome. and were suspected in church arsons. Their Why leads, not? Their lead singer, Dead, believed himself to be a corpse, and he would frequently cut himself on stage and had an obsession with death, which, shocker, culminated with his suicide in 91 at age 22. Guitarist Euronymous found Dead's body, immediately took photos of the scene, which would be the cover of a bootleg live album. <laughs> Bassist Necro Butcher... That's his name. Yeah. Was greatly affected by the suicide and he left the band. He was replaced by Varg Vikerns. Hold on a second. So Necro Butcher said, you know what? This I'm, is fuck this shit. I'm out. This is too much. <laughs> you guys are too hard for <laughs> me. Necro Butcher was just like, you know what? I'm um, sorry. I'm 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 tapping out. I'm so out. the guy that replaced him, Varg Vikerns, his stage name was Count Grishnak. Nice. I think Necro Butcher was a little bit I'm gonna, cooler. I'm going to lean more on Necro Butcher. A little Butcher. bit cooler. Yeah, yeah. And he was part of their solo project, Burzum, and another highly influential black metal act, mm-hmm. this Burzum di- uh, mm-hmm. dude. And in 1993, Vicurns murdered Euronymous and claimed it was self-defense because Euronymous intended to torture and kill him, so he was just protecting himself. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so Mayhem was the exception rather 
been the rule. Most other black metal bands were not involved in real-world acts of violence. No. And violence was not the only ingredient in Norwegian black metal music, which often feature lyrics related to the North and cold. Mm -hmm. Some examples of this lie in the Arctic setting of the music video All Shall Fall by Immortal and the lyrics of Satyricon's Mother North. So let's specifically talk about Viking metal. Yeah. And the link between the North and violence and death continues with a return Mm -hmm. to this Viking era. And they bring death and violence to their neighbors in the South. And that's where this term Viking metal came from. And it is a subgenre, and it focuses the page, the pagan aspect of black metal's anti-Christian sentiment while including a lot from Norse mythology mm-hmm. and celebrates the Vikings and their conquests. However, musically, Viking metal incorporates elements of traditional Scandinavian folk music, often has a slower, but that often has a slower pace than black metal songs. The first Viking metal music came from the hitherto black band Bathory with Blood, Fire, Death. Yeah. And they inspired the Eiherger, Helheim, Therfer, Eisenferum, and Wardruna. Those just roll right off the tongue. I know. Like, I'm so happy this is our opener to Norse mythology. Because, yeah. like, we were always trying to figure out how are we going to bust Norse? Like, are we just going to do it? Or what's going to be like, what's going to be the thing? Like, is there going to be something that leads into it? And I remember you coming up to me and you're like, how about Viking death metal for music month this year? And I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? That's going to be fantastic. (laughs) And like, this all leads into, you know, surprise, surprise. We're going to get into Norse mythology throughout throughout time on the podcast. Unfortunately, there's not many music videos made in this Viking metal subgenre. YouTube is like where has, you, Yeah, that's yeah. about the only place you're going to find them. But even then, I don't think they did a video for every song. I think they just picked and choose yeah. because they tend to lean toward low production costs and an underground community feeling. Yeah. And there is um, Ammon Amarth, Mm-hmm. They have a video called Shield Wall, and that seems to depict a Viking raid on a village, which makes sense. Fits in with a the Viking theme, fits mm-hmm. in with the violence, fits in with all of it. They're often depicted um, as warmongering barbarians. However, that was not typically the case, historically speaking, according to Selheim, who's some mm-hmm. historian. <laughs> and... The Viking metal bands, such as Amon Amarth, have been quoted as being aware of the fact, but they still choose to depict the Vikings in this way, in their videos, Yeah, regardless and, of whether it's, it's historically accurate yeah, or not. No, I, but I mean, let's well, be honest. The Vikings were raiders and pillagers. So to say that they didn't do... That, like, yeah. if you watch that show Vikings, like, they weren't yeah. a gentle people. <laughs> well, no, because here's the thing. It wasn't a gentle period. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's not like this was a choice or a lifestyle option, you know, yeah. or something they were going to just try or be. It, it was their need to survive. Right. 
Yeah. Because not only were they in a harsh time period, they were also in a harsh climate. Correct. They you were know, in a so harsh environment. You had this yeah. harsh climate, harsh environment. Harsh everything. Just harsh everything. You're going to have what? these real heavy people. Yeah. You, you know. got to be harsh. You got to yeah. be brutal. And so this is where, like, getting back to, like, black metal and stuff like that, it, it was a show, you yeah. know, and that's what people didn't understand in the 80s. Like, no. like Motley Crue, Kiss, Black yeah. Sabbath, Ozzy. And all that. It was a show. Yeah. And same with Poison. Their show was just hair and makeup. Well, yeah. No. And and that's the thing, you know, and everybody dove into the satanic stuff and really made a big deal out of it. And here's the thing. I could see where you can make a big deal on the satanic mm-hmm. nuances and things mm-hmm. like that. Because, you know, the one argument is, you know, well, you know, just... um you know, you do you, mm-hmm. I do me, mm-hmm. doesn't bother anybody. Right. But then you get some people that might be lost or feel disenfranchised or don't really belong in anything. Right. And then you find something like this that's unique. Yeah. And has kind and it's of really its similar, own thing. Yeah, yeah, similar things. And you can get into it and maybe, you know, just even from a story perspective, because I mean, the lyrics are cool to these. You know, this mm-hmm. is, yeah. I really kind of call this, uh, like Viking progressive metal, which I know the metalheads would be like, dude, fuck you, <laughs> yeah. you know, because like yeah. I added progressive to it. Yeah. But but I don't know. Maybe some some would, you know, I but it was a show. But mm-hmm. but it does kind of I hate to say it. It's like a gateway drug or something like that into something that could be worse. You look at a normal person that would hop into metal and stuff like that. They're going to be fine. Right. But you find somebody that, like I said earlier. Yeah, you those know, that are on the fringes. Dis- disenfranchised, yeah. on the fringe, sparkle some abuse in there. Mm-hmm. Enough for them to, you know, and I know I probably won't win any friends with this statement, <laughs> but enough to, to run the victim card for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you get into this group and everybody can kind of pool together. But again, they were people that were harmless to begin with. Right. And that's the whole thing with this. That's where I had to laugh with the um, necro butcher. You know, it's like that was too hard for him. It's like, yeah, it's a name. It's an act. It's a show, you know, and and the music in this is I mean, it's really, really they're good musicians. Mm -hmm. They're really good musicians. It's not like this is uh, like punk thrash where it sounds like a just, you know, like real Chaos. raw on the edge. <laughs> no, just raw on yeah. the edge garage band stuff, which that has its place too mm-hmm. with music. But this, you know, really good riffs, a lot of drop tuning just to get that dark, deep noise, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and then they invoke this grandeur and brutality of ancient Norse life on top of it, through well, it. I, I mean, mean, it's really a cool. Why not? Yeah, it's a cool thing. You you, got you go these bigger, you go home, Frank. Thunderous guitar <laughs> riffs, powerful drumming, and these yeah. like haunting melodies, and this you know like really, in my opinion, like encapsulates the spirit of Viking warriors like sailing across stormy seas, yeah. battling in these epic conquests, and these uh, these bands just like just relentless aggressive sound, nothing subtle. You know, I mean, they'll have some like subtle intros, but when they pour in, like yeah. it's hard, and it and it embodies that strength and determination that you would imagine the Viking warriors would go through. Yeah. Like you, you know, I often think when I like listen to it, I think of like I think if, of the Viking berserkers. 
Well, yeah, but I just think like, yeah, when they're on the ships and like they're yeah. like cruising off or they're training or whatever, yeah. like if there was metal around, they'd be listening to this shit. <laughs> yeah, they like would. that's it's realistic to me, you know. Yeah. And um, you know, some of them are different. They're not all of this. Some as I mentioned earlier, they will infuse their music with like folk melodies and anthems of triumph and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's it's diverse in its own way. Right. You know, it's not a one trick pony type thing. But uh, yeah, you've got these themes that are fascinating, like just musicians and fans alike. There's yeah. this draw in it. And uh, it delves into legends of gods and goddesses, epic battles, exploration, uh, the warrior's code of honor. There's songs like Twilight of uh, the Thunder God and uh, One Man Army, where it these are really like great storytelling or storytelling um parts of the genre you know if if you are new to this and like never listen to it i would recommend those two songs twilight of the thunder god and one man army well if you'd like to dip your toe in why don't you check out jonas ackerland's new film lords of chaos which is a biopic with all the wigs and the gigs nice with the grisly stranger than fiction comedy drama yeah of Murder, suicide, self-harm, devil worship, <laughs> spade arson attacks that scandalized a nation. Yeah. Chronicling the outrageous crimes committed by a few Norwegian black metal bands. So if you're if you're into Bohemian and Rhapsody, this probably wouldn't be the biopic for you. Mm, but yeah, if you're yeah. like, you know, I'd like to dip my toe into this Norwegian Norwegian metal stuff, check out the Lords of Chaos. Yeah. yeah. Get a little Get no, the story and, behind the story. And it's not Their just story can become your, your story. stories. <laughs> <laughs> the uh yeah, and it's just it's not just the music too. They get into the whole visual aesthetic of it. Right, yeah. Uh you know, the bands will adopt uh, you know, obviously Viking inspired names. Mm-hmm. Uh they'll don this uh like ancient Norse attire and they really immerse themselves in this world that they're right. portraying. Yeah. I think it's just a great form of art. Uh, the album artwork is, you know, adorned with Viking ships, runes, uh, warriors, uh, you know, just further captivating the audience. And, you know, really just you combine all this and it just it makes people feel like you're witnessing a saga right, come to yeah. life. And well, that's what they're after. Yeah, definitely. And I'll give I'll give props to where props have to give. I mean, whether you like the band or hate them, this is what Kiss did. Yeah. You know, Kiss broke the rules. Like, every, I, I had somebody come up to me and they're like, I can't fucking stand Kiss. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I'm like, there's a lot to probably not like. Mm-hmm. You know, Kiss changed me. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I remember being a kid and my brother came home with Kiss Destroyer, the album. Mm-hmm. And that was like the band, like right on the front. And I remember just that first song of... Detroit Rock City Mm -hmm. where it was the sound of the car and the car was going down the road and then and I remember right then and there I was just like I'm in what the hell is this stuff you know and uh and I'm I'm a young kid and I just the the vocals of Paul Stanley and the band come through and then they had the dubbed guitar solo that just sounded incredible it was like no one was doing anything like that right at all and then 
the the real crazy part was at the end of the song, the car crashed. And mm-hmm. so they had the squealing of the tires and then bang. And then like right on the bang, it goes right into King of the Nighttime World. And it's just because the car would go. And then the guitar. You know, and just goes right in. And I remember just being a kid like, this is what I want to do. Like, I just want to listen to this all day long. I didn't know I could. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> and, and I just couldn't get over like that was possible. Mm-hmm. And I didn't at that time even notice their um, makeup, their whole persona. Yeah. You know, and the makeup and all that. Like, I just remember hearing those two songs. And I remember, and this is what I was explaining to this person that didn't like Kiss. I knew ever since then that A, I was, music was just going to be the most amazing thing for me. Mm-hmm. And also, that's what I wanted to do. One shape or form. Mm-hmm. I knew that day. I wanted to play music. I didn't know how yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do any of that. Right. But at some point, and then I started playing drums. Mm-hmm. And then I'm playing drums to Kiss. Yeah. You know, and then I played drums. As I got better, I played drums to Rush. Right. And I played drums to all these other bands. But like they, like no one before Kiss had like this persona mm-hmm. that blew out. I'm right. not saying it was never done, but like they were the first to just say like, you can do this. Right. Like, this yeah. is possible. You can yeah. create this whole theme. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just about music anymore. It's an experience. Right. It's a, yeah. you know, this whole deal. And I think death metal really just like, you know, death metal, dark metal, all of that, the metal end, and even just rock and roll, you know, because that's when Motley Crue started mm-hmm. being Motley Crue. That's when Poison was being Poison, you know, and there was just this whole act, so to speak. And these, like, Viking metal to me is that same feeling, like, of, of like, a kiss, mm-hmm. but, like, but it has deeper stories, deeper right, yeah, things. And, yeah. and that's and where I splash that. Pro- just different makeup. That progressive yeah. bit of it, you mm-hmm. know, to it. It's not a smack in the face by any means. But, yeah, I, I really think you got to give credit to Kiss, whether you like them or not. You know, they helped create. Yeah, they forged a path. They really forged a path on that whole bit. And not only forged that it's possible, but that you could also make a fucking really good living out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, so um this Lords of Chaos, the story doesn't begin in Norway. It actually does start in um Newcastle upon Tyne in England, where a heavy metal trio called Venom mm-hmm. record their second album, Black Metal, in 1982. Before that, popular music had a long history of flirting with satanic imagery, from Robert Johnson's Hellhound, On My Trail, to the Rolling Stones' Sympathy for the Devil, to the provocatively named Judas Priest and Black Sabbath. But Venom took this unholy relationship further. It's hard to explain, this is a quote, to younger people just how shocking Venom were back in the early 80s, says Chris Key, a journalist for the magazines Zero Tolerance and Power Play. Quote, Satan appeared on the album covers, was name-checked in pretty much all the songs. There was a blatant pledging allegiance to the Dark Lord. I remember looking at the burning crucifix in the gatefold sleeve of their 1984 album, At War with Satan, and wondering if this really was a step too far, end quote. Venom's black metal album became the foundation stone of this whole new subgenre. If you felt that thrash metal was too commercial— 
and death metal was too breezy, then black metal was the music for you. Nick Ruskell, a senior editor at Kerrang! magazine, defines it as, quote, a harsh, dark form of heavy metal with a focus on extremity and a satanic bent. Although, if you asked five fans, you'd get seven different answers, end quote. Olin wore black and white corpse paint makeup so that his face resembled a, a skull. Venom aside, the bands that forged black metal were Scandinavian. From Sweden, there was Bathory, whose drummer happened to be Jonas Ackerlund, the director of this film. Uh-huh. From Denmark, there was Merciful Fate. And in Norway, a younger generation of metal enthusiasts was listening and learning. One such enthusiast was Oystjen Arseth, a guitarist who is played in the film by Rory Culkin. He formed a band called Mayhem. And just as Venom's members had given themselves grandly spooky stage names, Kronos, Montus, and Abaddon, Arseth chose a demonic nom de rock drawn from Greek mythology, Euronymous. And once he had recruited a Swedish singer, Per Yngviv Oland, stage name Dead, the band decamped to a house in a forest to live and rehearse. If Arseth's gloomy guitar playing was the archetypical sound of Norwegian black metal, it was Olin who developed its own brand of showmanship. He wore black and white corpse paint makeup so that his face resembled a skull, and at Mayhem's concerts, he would cut himself. But his preoccupation with death wasn't confined to morbid theatrics, and that's when, in 1991, Arseth returned to their house to find that Olin had killed himself. <laughs> that could have been the end of Norwegian black metal, but Arseth saw Olin's death as a chance to promote himself as the leader of a truly dangerous and diabolical music scene. Before contacting the police, he went out and bought a disposable camera so that he could photograph Olin's remains. He then set up his own record label, Death Like Silence Productions, and opened a record shop in Oslo named Helvete, the Norwegian for hell. Mm-hmm. His closest associates, he decreed, would be quote, the black circle, end quote, and they alone would be allowed into black metal's inner sanctum, i.e. a damp basement room in the yeah, in yeah. the bottom of the, sh- of the <clears throat> shop. Excuse me. A key member of the black circle was Christian Varg Vikernes, a teenager from Bergen who preferred to be known as Count Grishnak. He soon built a reputation for doing the things that Arseth only talked about. While Arseth Arseth was still struggling to finish Mayhem's debut album, Vikernes recorded several solo albums under the Tolkien-esque name of Burzum. And while Arseth gave interviews about spreading hate and fear, Vikernes started setting fire to Norway's historic wooden stave churches. On June 6, 1992, Fantoff's stave church burnt down. Vikernes called his next EP, Aska, Norwegian for Ashes, and put a photograph of the church's charred shell on the sleeve. Each copy came with a free cigarette lighter. Scandinavia's black metal fans took the hint, and dozens of other churches went up in smoke. Yeah. Some had inverted crucifixes and the number 666 spray-painted on the ruins. Satanism? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Over the years. It's well, and here's here's what happens. And like we talked about this a bit with the sex pistols, you know, a couple weeks back. If you're new and hopping on, we dove into Sid and Nancy. And you we know, did. this this part came up with 
punk at that time and specifically the Sex Pistols, what happens is, is you start creating this scenario of really just bad inertia. Like you've mm-hmm. got to outdo no. the, yep. the last thing. You've right. got to outdo the other group. And so it becomes wilder and wilder and wilder. And you do these wild, crazy things to just one up the other band right. or one up the last thing you did. Right. You know, yeah. and it's got to be bigger. It's got to be better. Yeah, it's it's got to be bigger, more. better, more. And, and then you got to s- start asking yourself, like, where does this go? When does it stop? You know, I mean, I, I really am amazed that the genre has lasted this long. Because I remember when it first came out, I remember sitting, I was like, I'm thinking that in my head. Yeah. It, at, even at that age of my life where I'm just sitting there, I'm like, yeah, you can't just one up yourself like this. Because it was already, the freight ends of punk were already showing itself by then right. in the early 90s. Yeah. You know, and and you could see that. Where that it, just, it wasn't going to be sustainable. The endless one-upping. You know, yeah. I mean, there was, uh, what was it, Gigi Allen that like made a promise that he was going to shoot himself in the face and commit suicide and he picked the concert date like yeah. when it was going to happen yep. and I remember just all of us around school they were like dude there's this dude G.G. Allen you know people yeah. that didn't even know the music didn't yep. even know the genre they're coming up like still talking about it well yeah because yeah. like you know either it was in Rolling Stone or it was in the rumor mill or whatever you know and people are like you know oh G.G. Allen's going to shoot himself with a shotgun you know and he said mm-hmm. it's going to do it on this date you know and it's like Okay, that's drumming up publicity, obviously. Yeah. There's, again, (laughs) no, and this showed you the different types of fans there were. There were other fans that were like, holy crap, he's going to do that, like Mm -hmm. really believing it's going to happen. And then you've got another group that's like, yeah, he's going to do it, and I want to see it, which is like, wait a second here. You know, like, where is this going? Right. And And then there's the other group that's like, it's just, it's, it's yeah. it's a deal, yeah. you know. And then they're like, "Well, what if he shoots himself?" I'm like, "Well, then they ain't playing anymore. Like, then band's done. Yeah. band's over, you know." But then they go down in a blaze of glory. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and this, so you wonder, like, you know, once it's like the high jump, you know, the mm-hmm. bar just keeps going up and up and up, and it's like at some point, eventually, it just can gets you too high. can you keep yeah. leaping over this, you know? And it, it's obviously not sustainable. Uh, and that's where I think the genre has matured a bit in that regard mm-hmm. it still has its rough roots and you know because it's gotta uh but and there's definitely the no rules part of it which is what makes it so attractive mm-hmm. uh but yeah you know now it's it's become a really good theatrical bit and i mean they have this is a literally an international following this yes. isn't just like a yeah. specific uh area or different parts you know i mean from all corners are we watching a show, and I, I want to say it was. Yeah, I I I know what you're talking about. There was a girl on there who was that she, she was, was into Viking. She was in Viking death, death metal. metal. She was in a band. She played with them. Oh, what was that show? Because it was something. Wasn't totally, it one of those competition things? It was like a. It was something weird, like a cooking show, or something like, like that, or like an outdoors person, like right. outdoors, like survivalist type show, or something. We were watching. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh, yeah, that was a while ago. Was like, and that's when we were like Viking death metal. Yeah, yeah. And then we yeah. started listening to Viking yeah. death metal, and we're yeah. like, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, this is yeah. good. You know, yeah. but yeah, they they have. Um, 
these festivals. They mm-hmm. got the Ragnarok uh, festival in Germany. That's like a, the, a big deal, right, yeah. obviously. And yeah. then there's another one in Norway. I can't remember the name of that one. Um, and these have become like just this these like big epic gatherings that celebrate the genres spirit of camaraderie and whatnot and yeah that's some of the live stuff that you'll see on uh youtube you can search that stuff and yeah i mean you know and the crowds are just tons of energy and yeah it's 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 an incredible experience i i would love to just go to like one festival like that yeah just to just yeah. to see all of it i've i've in my There's age in my experience i I've, would like to Try and then there are others like Burning Man where I have like zero interest. See, we talked about this off this off you mic. Know, <laughs> yeah, off mic. But like, I I'm just I'm at a I'm at, I hate saying it, but I'm just I'm at a point in my age. Yeah, and I'm also in a point of like my musical life where I just don't really have the use for a festival. Yeah, uh, there's even a lot of live shows mm-hmm. that I go and. Yeah. Um, I hate to sound like that guy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but it's the scene. Yeah, like it is. It's not for me. No, it's not. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like a festival and stuff like that. I always, even when I was younger, I remember seeing like the guy that was like in his 60s. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in my 60s. I got a ways to go for that. Right. But I remember looking, it's like, dude, why are you here? You know, now like the dead, I could understand mm-hmm. that was a different thing altogether. Right. The Grateful Dead had, I understood the allure and the reason to do all that mm-hmm. and for everyone to go. I understood it. Right. And even when I was younger, I didn't go because that's when Jerry was like on his last end. Yeah. And they just didn't sound great. Right. And I remember my buddy just telling me, you need to go, man. You're going to miss out. It's like, no, dude, I'm not missing out. No. You know, we already missed out. Even to this day, like, I listen to Grateful Dead. I love late 60s, early 70s yes. dead. You're like, not touch of gray dead. To me, well, no, I, you know, I, I don't mind a good touch of gray jam. Mm-hmm. It's not really the songs per se. It's just how they played. Right. And there was, in the 80s, there was those glimmer moments where mm-hmm. you would see it, you know, and it was real short and quick. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can hear it in the live stuff, you know, so I'm not a, fully against it, you know, because, I mean, there's a just a ton of, like, cuts of me and my uncle and stuff that they do uh, in the 80s that are just, I mean, mm-hmm. awesome. But just sound-wise, technique-wise, everything-wise, late 60s to early 70s is just it for me. Yeah. You know, everything sounded good. Everything was rolling good. Uh, the drugs weren't really totally taking their toll mm-hmm. yet. You know, yeah. um, obviously they were on them, you know, yeah. but but it just wasn't taking their toll on them. And I think that was kind of their crescendo bit. Same thing with Fish. Yeah. Like, I love Fish. I love yep. the band Fish. Yep. I've got friends that I I got a friend that's seeing them this that's weekend them now, at, yeah. at, at, at Madison Square Garden. And and they're great. They're a great band. But I like earlier Fish. Right. You know, and but I still get why a lot of people go to that band. That's a jam band. They play a different kind of music and stuff like that. But it's yeah, it's festival things and where there's just like a bunch of drugs and there's just, you know, it's kids. It's shit for kids. Yeah. You know, I'm going to say that at 48 years old. It's like, you know. Yeah. I I realized that the live music scene wasn't for me anymore when I went to my last Dave show. 
Yeah. It was the late teens, early 20-somethings who mm-hmm. were just beyond obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. And there was like no, no decency. Like they mm-hmm. were just rude, loud, and obnoxious. No, they're there and for the forcing themselves on everything and everyone. And they're and they think that by doing this, mm-hmm. they're showing their love for Dave. Like that's going to mean something. No, I, we and talked was, about this too because this happened to me with Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. I remember listening to Pearl Jam when they first came out, and it's like, oh my god, I got to see these. And I saw mm-hmm. them at the first year at Lollapalooza. It's back, and they were fucking incredible. Right. They were amazing. Yeah. And then what happened, and I remember this specific moment. Mm-hmm. I saw them somewhere else. It was like a year later. And this does it to me for a band every single time. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the band is. He said something. I, he, as an Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. said something. I can't even remember it to this day. It made no sense at all. It made no sense. Right. And the crowd went fucking nuts. Yeah. And that's where I looked and I'm like, okay, this isn't about the music anymore. No. This is literally yeah. like a form of worship yeah, that he's like their God. Yeah. And yeah. I wasn't I wasn't going to church like I am now. Mm-hmm. It was a whole yep. different deal. But I just saw like as a musician yeah. looking at this, it's like, okay, I'm in an I'm in a outdoor arena full of people, and I'm realizing now that eighty percent of the people here are not here specifically for the music no like there's the scene yeah and that's what happened with fish yep everybody was going for the scene you know and Mm -hmm. and once i saw all that stuff and like now like (laughs) it's hard for me for grunge bands like like pearl jam Mm -hmm. like you guys are old yeah you've made you're not grungy anymore. you've made a (laughs) shitload of money yeah you've made just a ton of money got a fuck ton of money and you're singing these same songs and you're saying the same bullshit that you were back then and it's like i just can't go there for it now i have friends that go to these shows and they're like they sounded great they play great and i'm like i'm so happy you can go there and like filter out all the stuff because it's a lot i can't i just i can't i'm I'm not I, i i'm not that I just I, I I'm not that good a person. I I'd guess. have to I just... say the last concerts that we went to that were actually enjoyable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were the ones at Bethel Woods. It yeah, was Van yeah. Halen. Oh yeah, because that was that was, that was once in a well, lifetime. And that was a once in a lifetime deal where it, it was, was everybody Hall and except Oates. yeah, Hall and Oates was good. Yeah, they were good. They actually. were great. Yeah, it was literally yeah. like listening to them on the radio. Yeah, they sounded amazing. The they amazing sounded part, exactly the same. The amazing part was Topher going. I didn't know John Oates was that short. I was like, dude, <laughs> where the hell have you been, man? Yeah, are you serious? She's did you, tiny. Did you never watch MTV? She, yeah. Like, did you <laughs> have just. Have you never seen a video? Have you only listened to these guys? You know, I mean, it's like you never got, you never saw them on an interview or you, like. You never wanted your MTV. You know, yeah. You never saw them talk to Adam Curry or whoever, you know, I mean, Jesus. Ne- well, they were never on TRL. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's the tough part with live shows for me now. Yeah, you know, it is. I, you know, I think the best one that I've gone to late, I say lately, it's been a long time, but 
the Reverend Horton Heat in Poughkeepsie was That great. was good. That was excellent. Because you know, they were just good. They, they were, were really, Actually, really good. If I'm being honest, you know, every band that every played. Every band that played on there, yeah. Was good. Yeah. They were all really good. Even, uh, oh, what the, what was the name of that uh, that one group? Uh, or that heavy rockers. It was something, something. Pussy was in the name. Remember? Yes, uh, I do. I forget that. Oh, it was such Thunder a f- Pussy, Thunder Pussy, or something, something like, like that. that? Yeah, 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 no. And that that was the chick, the lead guitarist, and she fucking shred, she man. Did holy she did. cow, yeah. she was great. Yep. And uh, and then that dude, uh, he had a set of pipes on him. Mm-hmm. And then I remember they all got together and they played um, uh, Ace of Spades. Yes. And uh, oh, and they rocked that. Yeah, they you know, did. Rev Rev was playing guitar, mm-hmm. and she was hopping in here on here and there. And then yeah, we saw Lucky Tub and the Modern Troubadours. They opened yep. up. You know, nice little outlaw country. They were I'll good. Never get they were of, really you know. good. Yeah. The guy that is one of the voices on Squid Billies. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was. Yep. He was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That that was a really good show. Uh. But again, that was small. It was very yeah. informal. Yeah. You know. Uh, I like the intimate settings. No, and that's what I like because you get. And it was all a bunch of adults. Well, if you, I'm being no, because here's the thing. I don't. There was a lot of young people there. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But it's you're there for the music. It's not the right. scene. Yep. There's no scene there. No. The scene is listening to the, to the music. music. Yeah. That's the what I love about scene. those smaller yeah. intimate settings. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's where Red Rock probably always works because it's a big place, mm-hmm. but it seems intimate. Right. You know, the way the seating is and all that. Um, But yeah, I just, I'm at this point now where I I give two shits about the scene. Yeah. And I don't want to hear. Yeah. And and I think my big problem was, and this is what kind of threw me away from Pearl Jam, was they started throwing their politics into the show and all that. And I'm like, dude, I I really. I'm not here for that. I didn't pay this money for you to tell me what to do. Yeah. Other than maybe clap my hands. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and scream. Yeah. That's that's the work I'm Dance, punching in. Monkey. It's your job to <laughs> no, sing I just, and yeah. amuse us. I came here to yeah. listen to your music. I really don't care about I don't care where you stand the, on the things. other stuff. Yeah. And, and then it was the whole, you know, you gotta do this and you gotta do that. It's no, like No, I don't. No, I don't. Actually I don't, I don't just gotta in do fact, anything. I'm not coming and doing this anymore. I don't you know? gotta give you yeah. my money, so and I, don't I don't think really I will. I don't care what it is they're pushing. Like, yeah. I really, even if yeah. it was shit I agree with, it's just like, no, it's, it's like. not the time or the place. not the place for it. And, no. And it's that's, like when you're, I don't know, an actor or an actress and you're accepting your award. Yeah, yeah. And you think that's the time for you to spout off about how you feel yeah. about. All your shit. Yeah. You know. What, your believies. Yeah. Shut up. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not the time or the place. Yeah. I know you think it is. Yeah. I know you think this is your platform. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, I think for the award You're show. You're just pandering well, here's to the your thing. audience. The award shows are suffering. You know, I mean, yeah. nobody fucking watches them anymore. Because nobody wants know. to listen to their bullshit. Well, yeah, no, they dug their own hole yeah. with that. I, but I always told somebody, I was like, the way to fix that, three minutes. Yeah. Three minutes. That's what you have. Way to fix that. And I don't care who the fuck you are. Ricky Gervais. No, but I just, I don't care who the fuck you are. You know, you could be fucking Susan Lucci getting her first award after fucking 40 fucking years or whatever. Thank you to my- Thank to the Academy. Yep. Thank to the people that helped me make this movie and and got all this. Thank to these special people that have got me here. Yep. Grab your award. What a great night. And just walk away. Exactly. And that would make for a great- 
awards yeah. ceremony. Yes. You know. And it would cut the time down probably dramatically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Instead of four hours, it it's, would be an hour and it's fifteen minutes. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not as long as your movie. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But yeah, so so that's uh kind of back to back to this, you know. Yeah, you got that one upping yeah. and all that stuff, and you wonder it's how sustainable, sustainable it is. It's not. But it appears to be sustainable in other ones. To and a ban- point. and bands have figured it yeah. out. You know, there's there's some bands that have understood it and got it got it straight and all that. But yeah, I mean it's it's a huge it's a huge thing and it's culture, you know. It is. I mean it's it uh, is. So we get to the whole Satanism thing, yeah. is it, isn't it? Yeah. I'm gonna go with no. Over the years, numerous black metal musicians have become serious students of the occult. But back in 92, they cared more about seeming sinister and subversive. Again, Quote, most of the black metal guys wanted to appear as evil as they could, says Kevin Hoffman, author of TRVE, the Norwegian black metal scene. Hence, they promoted Satanism and inversion of biblical tenets. The tabloids had a field day as they found a way to carry on the satanic music, moral panic that plagued Judas Priest and Ozzy Mm -hmm. in the previous decade. But it was childish, insincere Satanism. The church burnings, for instance, it's easy to burn down a church that's made of wood, end quote. As for Vickerns, he claimed that the arson was a protest against religions from the Middle East that had replaced his forefathers' pagan Norse gods. Mm-hmm. It seems his belief system was closer to fascism than Satanism, and he wasn't alone. In Aaron Eitz and Audrey Ewell's documentary about Norwegian black metal, Until the Light Take Us, it's striking how often the interviewees resort to racist or homophobic rhetoric. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And nor was their homophobia confined hate speech. In August of 92, another of Asarth's friend, Bard Itham, or Faust, murdered Magna Andreasen, a gay man who approached him in a park in Lillehammer. Vickerns was so pleased that he boasted to journalists from the Bergen's uh, Tedende newspaper that he knew who was responsible for the arson attacks and the murder. A front page, a front page article, We Lit the Fires, ran in January of 93. And this is where the the facade gets a little out of control. Yeah. You know, so when we were talking about Sid and Nancy a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and basically that was that piece after I yeah. did with Freddie Mercury, you know, and Johnny Rotten's talking and Freddie's like, yeah, you know, we should do, you know, something or other. And they were like, dude, if we make something with you, we're going to go out of business. Right. They're yeah. going to, our fans are going to fucking hate us. And that's, uh, and that's where... As I mentioned in the beginning of this, like, you know, is some of this true? Is some of it not? You know, yeah. But depending on how your fan base moves, right, that pushes you to where you are. You got to pay the bills. You got to right. do these things. And you'd be surprised what you will not only put up with, but what you'll also take on and what you'll sign up for. Right. You know, and this is what people, I think, don't understand. Maybe they're starting to understand it now. You'd think. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. But But yeah, this is where, you know, the term slippery slope starts, you know, you have this whole kind of wide open idea of, you know, you do your thing, I do my thing and we're cool, but, but somehow that thing might bleed over to you indirectly. And then you'll look and be like, well, that got out of fucking control. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's a meritable thing of like, where do you nip that in the bud? So like, I get it in a stance of the eighties with the death metal and all of these bands Mm -hmm. where, you know, 
I'm not going to say it was as much as the religious right, because I remember growing up, you know, they really paint it as like the religious right was the the big thing against it. But I mean, I remember being a kid and there is like parents that like never went to church and yeah. none of that stuff. And they're like, yeah, I don't want my kid around this. Like, I don't yeah. want, you know, so yeah, it was, it was different then. Um, not different, but it was broader yes. than just handing it all to a specific group. Yes. Uh, and, and again, that's the whole thing of, yeah, if I permit this in, like, where does it go? Yeah. How does my kid take this? Right. How, you know, do they look at it as just music and appreciate right. the music and the art? Yeah. You know, and that's where I will back an artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If your art's good, yeah, right. you yeah. should be appreciated for your art. But mm-hmm. if you start letting your art push you to a direction mm-hmm. that you normally would make compromises, you know, like mm-hmm. you start making compromises and things like that then yeah, that's that's where it starts going south and a little dark. And, you know, I think that's where re-examination should take place. And it's not just you do you anymore, you know. So let's get to their controversy here. Yeah. The occurrence in Arsarth's infamy leapt to a horrifying new level in August of 93. Having convinced himself that Asarth was planning to kill him, the occurrence drove to Asarth's Oslo flat in the middle of the night and murdered him. In May 1994, he was sentenced to 21 years in prison, both for Asarth's murder and for multiple church burnings. He was 21. That same month, Mayhem's debut album was finally released. It included lyrics by Olin, guitar playing by Arseth, and bass playing by The Kearns, which made it a grotesque rarity, an album on which one contributor had killed himself, another had been murdered, by the other who was the murderer. Mm. The saga of the so-called black metal murders is so appalling that it's difficult to process, even now. Or is it linked to the psyche of the country that brought us Edvard Munch and a bookcase of lurid Nordic noir novels? Or does the devil really have all the best tunes? Quote, I don't think the story is <laughs> quite as incredible as it first seems, argues he. Quote, if you take a small group of young men one with obvious mental health problems, one a charismatic leader, all looking to be part of something and all dissatisfied with life. And then you throw in some occultism, some low-level fame, and some internal power struggles, and you've got Lord of the Flies, Mm. end quote. The most significant factor may not have been Satanism, but immaturity. In photos from the early 90s, the skinny musicians glowering in their leather jackets and their Halloween makeup look as if they're copying Kiss and Alice Cooper, but don't have the budget or the sense of humor. <laughs> they could be auditioning for Spinal Tap, the next generation. Oh, that's a cheap shot And as right iconoclastic there. as they profess to be, they went along with the customs of Norwegian society when it suited them. The current Burzum recordings were funded by his mother, while Asarth's parents bankrolled his record shop. Akerlund has described Lords of Chaos as, quote, a movie about idiots and young boys doing stupid things, end quotes. Arnott believes that the whole story or the whole sorry affair comes down to a combination of peer pressure, small town teen rivalry, and the urge to rebel against organized religion, yeah. end quote. Yeah. And Hoffman sees the murders and fires as a macabre competition that got out of hand. Yeah. They took it too far. Yeah, it's just the escalation Best each other, beat this, beat that, you know, escalate higher. Right. You know, yeah. and 
Yeah, I, I think, again, as I've aged in my life, I start seeing, like, what what it takes, and it's not much, mm-hmm. what it takes to get kids going. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, is that's where doing the right thing doesn't work for kids because it's boring. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a bunch of rules. It's not attractive. It's not, you know, it's 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 not any of that stuff. And anybody can do it. Anybody can follow the rules. Well, no, that's the thing. Following the rules is hard. <laughs> it really is. It's hard to do. It's really hard to do when when you have this section of your life that's not following the rules mm-hmm. and they're having fun yeah. and they're doing all this stuff. But as a kid, and I speak from this personally, what you don't see is the price right. that that takes. So whether it be drugs and you drop yourself into drugs, because, yeah, the first, I say out of the 100% of the time you're doing drugs, the first 10 to 40%, depending on how your biology works and yeah. how things go, that's a fun time of drugs. Right. You know, and some are just able to do it forever. Mm-hmm. And those, in my opinion, are the worst role models in the world because they're saying, yeah, you can do this for the rest no, of your life. You exactly. Can do this. It's like, no, you are the Yes. You are the exception to Sir. the rule. You know, and and talking to you, Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. yeah. I mean you got Keith Richards and you know, but I also look at this from, you know, not to get too preachy on it, but but like you look at Joe Rogan. Like yeah. Joe Rogan thinks everybody should just take drugs. You know, and it's like, dude, it works for you. You, yeah. You know, but there's a lot of people it doesn't work for. No. So there's a price to that. Right. There's a price to running your mouth. Mm -hmm. You know, if you run your mouth, a you can get your ass kicked. Correct. B you can lose the respect of people around you, your peers. You know, C you can destroy. Everything around you by running your mouth, especially now with the age of, you know, documented mistakes Mm -hmm. around where somebody can just take a video or audio and then 10 years later fucking bury you for something you did 10 years ago. Like you don't grow and evolve. Well, yeah, you know, so, I mean, there's this, you know, there's a weird situation with that. So the lawlessness and the you know the lack of rules and all that it's so alluring because you get the dopamine rush you know you don't get a dopamine rush for doing the right thing right you know you get a dopamine rush like stealing a piece of jewelry and you you, you didn't get caught you got yeah. away with it you know that's the dopamine rush you know and and you start chasing that and that can put you into jail it can put you into prison right it can you know you can lose your family you can lose and this gets to what you're talking about yeah. where you start losing things the guy who uh, wrote the article said as comforting as it might be to write off asarth and his coterie as privileged brats who got caught up in ghoulish play acting and one-upmanship mm-hmm. their crimes were real mm-hmm. and for those who are interested their records are still available quote it was tragic, too, that these people actually had no shortage of talent, says Arnab. Yeah. If they really were motivated by the need to draw attention to themselves on the world stage, then their music would eventually have achieved that by merit alone. And that's... That's the tragedy. That's the tragedy that I see everywhere. Yes. Because now it's all about being famous to be famous. Yeah. It has nothing, nothing to, do to do with a skill. Yep. Or a um, just a, a gift, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a talent, you know, anything like that. 
you know, you had to work so hard to be recognized yeah. in the past. Mm -hmm. You had to take either a ton of dancing lessons or voice lessons and, and you sing well. You had to work your ass off. You know, I read somewhere, uh, it was, this is like, I want to say 10, 15 years ago. I read this, um, I was reading this book. And I can't remember the title, but I remember it being about, it wasn't even really about acting. It was about uh, just uh, a group of people and like they were just, it was like a memoir type thing. Mm -hmm. And the person said that it was so different like in the 50s up through with entertainment because you had to be the package. Yeah. You had to sing. You had to dance. dance. You had to act. Nope. You had to have a good like voice. Mm -hmm. You had to have. You had to have everything. You had, you had to, to have be attractive. Everything attractive. You had to be able to do all the things. You had to do all mm -hmm. the stuff. And you look back at it, and you look at things like like Fred Astaire is like a great example. Ginger Rogers, another great example. You know, Judy Garland. Judy Garland, exactly. They say you know. that she could do whatever her lines were. Yeah. In one take. In one take, yeah. She would come out, she'd do her yeah. shtick. Those dance those yeah. dance routines that Fred Astaire and like Gene Kelly and all yeah. them would do, those were all one take. Yep. You want to watch something crazy. It's um oh I'm gonna I'm gonna find it because it's it's a must-see thing. You can watch it on YouTube. It's Fred Astaire and Eleanor uh Eleanor Powell, which mm -hmm. I'm yep. just like I know. Head you're, over heels. You're, for, oh. you're a fan of Eleanor. Oh, she's amazing. But what makes her amazing is how athletic yeah, she really she was. She keeps up with him. She, keep, she keeps up with him, and they do um, this. Uh, it's a movie in the 40s, black and white, and there's this last scene where they do this dance, and uh, it's... That's the picture. That's what it looks like. This is why we gotta do video. Yeah. Uh begin the begin the beguine. Yep. Is the is the the uh the song. Uh so you just look up Fred Astaire and Eleanor Eleanor Powell Powell, begin the big be, uh beguine. And you wanna look at the one that's like about seven minutes long. Mm -hmm. They did that whole thing in one take. Yep. And she outdoes him yeah. so much. She outdances him. She's in a lot. heels. Yeah. You know, and she just crushes Fred Astaire. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody says that the dynamic between Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, and you'd see it. I mean, yeah. like the dynamic yeah. of them dancing together, but just straight up like chops for chops. Yeah. That that movie is absolutely incredible. And it's uh, the movie is actually, it's called Broadway Melody. Yes. And there was a couple of them. Yes. So you got to, if you are into those types of movies. Yes. It's Broadway Melody of 1940. Right. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes. And it literally is because of that last freaking dance. Mm -hmm. is unreal. But that's the talent they had. Yeah. Massive talent. Yep. And this is what drives me nuts now, you know, because I wasn't even from that era. I learned of this after in my life. But now, like, watching and people say, oh, and I'm not going to name names, yeah. but, like, Oh, this person, she was amazing or he was incredible. And it's like, A, they lip sync. Yeah. You know, they don't dance anywhere near like they used to dance then. No. At all. No. You know, and and it's just uh to me, that's where I see that degrading of mm -hmm. it. And to me, it's compromises. Yeah. And it's all compromises over fame. 
-hmm. You're after fame now instead of being the best dancer. Right. You're after fame now instead of being the best singer. Mm -hmm. You know, or fame is going to get you to where you're recognizable for your your singing. So now you're trying to be famous for it. Mm -hmm. And that's where, yeah, you look at just stuff like this is where people come pouring out of reality TV shows, Mm -hmm. you know, because they made a spectacle of themselves and they just happen to sing or, or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's a shame. And that's where like those, uh, those shows where they try out, uh, what is it? American Idol and like those type of things. America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent and stuff. Yeah. Like that I think is almost the last of it because you'll see some of the like internet clips of people that just sing amazing. Yep. You know, I watched this one where this guy sang opera and he, he sang, uh, uh, it was one of the popular like Nessun Dorma or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, and he's just like a dad. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, yeah. he's not even in the entertainment industry. He's like Phil the accountant, you know, and he's got this amazing, beautiful voice. What I liked was uh, Go Big Show because they were highlighting like the circus mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. side acts. What would have oh, been that, part of the freak that shows. That was with. Uh, with Burt Kreischer. Burt Kreischer. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was good. And yeah. they had like the they circus had, uh, acts. The circus the, acts. Yeah, they had yeah. um the trapeze people. Yeah. They yeah. had um But they had like dirt bike stunt riders artists. and stunt, yeah, stunt, stunt men and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was that was cool. I, I really kind of wish they did more, more with that. But again, that they did gets two seasons. But that gets yeah. back to and of course, that was during COVID when mm-hmm. everybody wanted mm-hmm. to lose their mind. Yep. You know, and then of course you talk to people now, and they're like, "Yeah, that was a bunch of shit." It's like, "Well, where were you?" Yeah. <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically, um, I think that's a show. Also, you kind of got to be careful about because mm-hmm. the bar gets higher and yep. higher and yep. higher. And like those people were doing some fucking crazy shit. Yeah, they were. You know, the one guy pulled the car with his face. With his face. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Man. And then all of the judges were in the car. Yeah. 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 No, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> but I think that also just shows just like what people can do physically. Yeah. You know, and then like you got the couch potato that's complaining because like they got a hangnail on their toe. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, but then you got oh, this. Oh, my sciatica. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you got that one guy who was taking ball shots. Yeah. Remember with the, yeah. uh, what was it, the lumber and stuff like that? And like he jumped like two stories onto a, like a board with, yeah. you know, fully on his nuts. Yep. You know, it's like, holy He did the cow. rat traps. Yeah. On his junk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Ah! You know. <laughs> no, and it's stuff like that I think about like when I was going they through my a, pain post-surgery and stuff like that. They had a competitive right. eater on yeah. there. Oh yeah, the competitive eating's like a whole different deal, man. There's that one. The trick shot where they could get the arrows to like go around corners and pierce things. That yeah, was incredible. It's yeah. like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just weird how people get like into that stuff. Like, you yeah. know, that's the story I like to hear. It's just like how they got into that. Yeah. You know. You know it was hold my beer. And then they tried yeah. it. And then they they made it, and then they're like, wait, there's got to be an easier way to do this. Well, no, that's like, to me, I, I've found throughout my whole life, my biggest, like, turn on as far as, like, stimulation for my mind and just, like, getting into things 
is risk takers. Mm -hmm. Like I just, and I think it is for a lot of people. Like, you know, you live vicariously through them. It's like, wow, you really put it all on the line for that thing, you know, and you, you put it all on the line. Mm -hmm. You risked everything. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, (laughs) they're, they're a tough example, but like, I, I don't think CEOs get enough credit for something like that. Like they give up everything for this company. Right. Yeah. You know, Let's, let's forget about like the company itself and whether it goes good or bad or right. whatever and all that. But, they, but the fact is the fact that they put it all on the line. Yeah. And like if that fails, it's their ass. Right. Yes. You know, they're yeah. the ones responsible and the pressure that they have that there's this whole entire company. Yeah. No matter the size of it, because right. you got yeah. salaries, you got yeah. benefits, yeah. you got retirements. Whether you think the retirements are appropriate or not, or the benefits or not, but that's what they have. And, yeah. you know, like if you're just sweeping the floor, and you leave, the company goes on. But right. like, if the CEO lives, leaves, that's the direction's gone. Yep. There's a lot of big things with that. So it's things on that level. But but then there's like magicians, you know, like David Blaine. Like he does this shit that is unfricking real. Yeah. And like the stories are just incredible. And like these people that just you know they eat class and you know yeah. all that and like like competitive eating. Joey Chestnut is insane. He is. He's insane. Like, he's going to go down in history yeah. as this guy who was just a machine for competitive eating. Yeah. And, like, his records are second to none to anybody. He's just in a league of his own. And it doesn't matter what the fuck the food is. Mm-hmm. It could be hot dogs. It could be deviled eggs. It could be apple pies. Like, it yeah. just doesn't matter. This guy just cranks down. I mean, and, he, and now he's just at a point where he's breaking his own records. Yeah. You know, and, and just like, there's that point of, all right, how did you get into this? And I remember I worked with a competitive eater, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and I just remember like, yeah, like how, how did you get into this? And he, he went to school for meteorology right? and he ended up becoming like a, uh, engineer mm-hmm. in like IT and stuff like that. Real nice guy, smart guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's like, ah, oh, you know, and I'd laugh. I'd be like, Hey, you want to go out for lunch? And he's like, nah, I'm training. I'm like, what do you mean? Training. You know, he's like, yeah, I'm training for this competitive eating thing. I'm like, well, then you want to go for lunch? And he's like, no, no. He's like, I got a regimen. Yeah. You know, and like I start at this point and then I build up and like I do the stuff. Yeah. And it's got to be certain foods, you know, yep. for what I'm going through. And that's, um, I was just marveled by it, you know. And then uh, the amazing part to me was like the day after. Mm-hmm. Like, he would do something on a weekend. He'd be there at work on Monday, and I'd be like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, yeah, yeah it's pretty good, you know? And I'm looking like, I would have been sick to my fucking stomach for, yeah. like, three days. And sometimes, and sometimes they are, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah, that type of risk, like, just amazes me. And the threshold of knowing, like, what's too far for them. Right. And you see that with uh, people who hike Everest. Like, I'm just fascinated by the people who hike Everest, you know? Because there is this point... That they say, and it's weird because like it's only like 300 feet away, the summit, but that 300 feet because of the elevation and all that stuff, it takes literally like four hours to do that 300 feet. Mm -hmm. So 300 feet is basically a football field. Mm -hmm. It's really all it is. And, and you're looking, you know, and imagine that taking four hours to walk across that. So there's this, uh, there's this thing they have to figure out. That if it's a certain time of day, it's like a Rubicon line yeah. where they're like, I got to turn around. Yep. And I was like, man, 
I can't even imagine being in that moment Mm -hmm. and it's right there, but you've got to, and and you're already in high altitude. So you, your, your ability to not think correctly is very plausible. Correct. And then to sit there and make that decision, knowing how much it costs to do that, the training you had to do to do it. And you know that in order to do this again, you're going to have to wait another year. Yep. And that's more training, more money, yep. more organizing, all that other stuff. And it's right fucking there. You know, and remember the documentary we watched with the Sherpa? Yeah. Who had taken all of those groups up there. And then he's like, I'll do it. And he did it without oxygen. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're fucking amazing. It's freaking crazy. No, but I mean, they're raised up in that environment. Yeah. You know, and they yeah. they don't go. Yep. You know, that's, and that's it, what they do. You know, then, I mean. Then they talk about all these, uh, these different climbs that he did. Yeah. And the number of times that he gave his oxygen to, to another hiker. Yeah. So that. They could, yeah. They could. So make now that's it. where you also get a certain circumstance where you know all these Sherpas are amazing, yeah. But then you've got one that's just, yeah, you know, exceeds far and above. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it's a biology thing. Yep. It's kind of like Michael Phelps for swimming. Like mm-hmm. he just had the body of a swimmer. Mm-hmm. You know, he had these huge hands and just like you know, I mean, like he was, yeah, he was built for swimming. Yep. You know, and so you have someone like that that's just built for that either through genetics of the mm-hmm. family living up there. And, you know, yeah, that, that stuff amazes the living crap out of me. But, yeah, I was reading that. I, I read that a lot about uh, people hiking Everest. Everest, And it's the, uh, you know, it's amazing because I was reading a book and it was uh, called Quit by Annie Duke. She's a poker player mm-hmm. and did the whole World Series yeah. of Poker. She's a professional poker player. And she was talking about quitting. And it was really interesting because, like, the best time to quit is when it feels too soon to quit. Yeah. You know, because you're you're not losing anything. Right. But mm-hmm. you're not risking either going right. forward. Yep. So there's this kind of equation you got to do in your mind to find out where your exit point is for quitting. And so what she was impressed about, and after she brought it up, I'd never thought about it. These people that hike Everest, she goes, yeah, the ones that make it, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. She goes, but these ones that turn around and survive. Yeah. That's the real amazing story. Yeah. And you never hear about them. No. You know, you nope. never hear about them at all, you know. And uh, it just shows what winning theoretically can be mm-hmm. and what it is compared yeah. to what it should be. Yeah. Or, you know, I, yeah, it's it's a weird, it's a weird thing, you know. And uh, yeah, it has absolutely fucking nothing to do with Viking death metal. But- no. <laughs> Can't we've, confirm. We've gone off the rails, babe. What? You know, yeah. We did? For the first time in Oh the Horror podcast history. First time ever. First time ever. <laughs> it, it took 136 episodes for us to go off the rails. I don't know. You know, it's amazing. You got anything else or nah. should we wrap this up? Nah. Yeah. Let's put it in a nice little package. Well, a little bow. yeah, this wraps up music month. We hope it you does. enjoyed it. We it had does. fun with it. So, we did. so if you don't, um, too bad. We had a great time. We, we do this month for us. <laughs> yeah. No, but we thank you so much for, um, you know, staying, uh, staying with us and, yeah. and and listening and uh, choosing us as your podcast to listen to. Mm-hmm. We uh, we greatly appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to let a fan know 
that we saw your message. Uh, Cat Lord Six, uh, <laughs> since you went off tangent about Hollywood in the Fair Game episode of Scientology. What? Yeah, I think they're making stuff up. Um, wondered if you guys would do the Twilight Zone accident that took the lives of three people. And yes, we will. Yes. Not soon, soon, soon. No. But pretty soon. I know we. Uh, yeah. I know we did. We briefly. We did cursed. Yeah, we like, did like cursed yeah. movies or something. Yeah. We briefly talked yeah, about no, that. Yeah, no, we can but, deep dive that. But uh, I looked into it, and that's enough for a whole show. Okay. So we're we'll we'll definitely do that, and we will do cool. it this year. Yeah. You know, uh, probably in a, a month or two. Mm-hmm. The um, yeah. So in that regard, please rate review. Give us uh give us your love if you can, if you can spare it. Give and, us your uh, hate, whatever. Yeah, or you can give us your hate. We get that too, you know. Yeah. And, whatever. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. You know, you can't make everybody happy. No. I just look at it this way. We can disagree with each other, yeah. but we can still get along. Yeah. And I think we do enough episodes that are around to we where we try to have a little yeah. something for everybody. But we know we can't take yeah. it. And and also uh we're a one take podcast. So we are. Are we going to say the wrong thing sometimes? Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. So yep. if, uh, yeah, if there is uh, some major offense or, or we did cross the line oh. way hard, you know, uh, which I have a habit of maybe doing that on occasion, you know, whenever we do our one to two tangents. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know where this tangent thing is coming yeah, I don't from. Know. I, it's, it's, it, it doesn't seem it's right. so weird. Yeah. I think it's lies. It's not a throne of lies. Yeah, I'm on a throne of lies. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh please uh forward us in your in your news feeds and, and share yeah. us with uh you know everyone you know. We appreciate it. We're a homegrown central New York podcast. We are. Yeah. Which We're I just about learned, as homegrown as you can be. I just learned recently New York classifies as North Central New York, which I'm gonna continue to say central New York. That's yeah. So that closes music month. It sure did. We start rolling into August. Yeah. Building up. Yeah. And getting into the heavy September and October of Halloween prep yeah. and execution. Yeah. We're very excited for this year's uh fall episodes coming through. Yeah. Uh we've got some ones that are just um again part of that bit of didn't thought we would have done them already. Yeah. You know, but yep. but I think the reason we didn't is because we were saving them for moments like this Mm -hmm. so to start off in august yeah we have the yuma arizona prison riot the prison riot yeah Yeah. and if you're like what Mm -hmm. buckle up guys oh yeah that was a riot that literally started the changes in prison systems uh if you were to pick one date where all of that took place and things started to shift in a different direction it was the Yuma prison riot. So very excited to do that. Again, branching off into a different thing. Yeah. I don't think we've done a prison riot yet, have we? I don't think we have. No, because I know of this a... one. I know of Attica. I know, I know of a, a few, quite a few of them. A few of them. So, yeah, and, we'll, we'll see I mean, how this one goes. And if, the you know, there's plenty of prison what riots. What could go wrong? To... A bunch of convicts convicts Just behind bars who up. are there because... <laughs> yeah. Most of them Bunch are of, some sort of criminal, mm, and most of them. Yeah. Do you think they are? They're going to make bad choices. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, with that being said, mm-hmm. maybe uh, 
we'll cue up a, a little closer here. Yeah. You know, as we get into our rules. Yes. Yes. As you can see, I planned this out. Yeah. Entirely. Wicked good. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. The way of the Vikings. Yes. And with that being said, rule number one. No VG boards. Number two. No dolls. Three. No capes. Four. No blood rituals. Five. No cults, satanic or otherwise. Six. No apathy. You need to act to help enact a positive change in this world. Push a shopping cart back. Give it. Give somebody a quarter at Aldi <laughs> so that they can they can have their shopping cart or give them yours. Number seven. Don't engage with black-eyed children, people, animals. Essentially, you want to see a white, yeah. the iris, and the pupil. Yeah. If it's just one color, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. And finally. Number eight. Just listen. Just listen. And temporarily, for one episode only, I'm going to add rule number nine. Jam out to some Viking death metal this week. Yeah. Just go for it. Yeah. I don't think you'd I'd be let down. I it on a day when you're just like, ah! No, just before you go to sleep. You know, <laughs> chill out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice chillaxing music. So with that being said, have an amazing day, a lovely week. And make freaking good choices. Take care, folks.